You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture reading today is found in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 9 through 15. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 15. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. I laid a foundation like a wise master builder according to God's grace that was given to me but someone else is building on top of it. Each person needs to pay attention to the way they build on it. No one can lay any other foundation besides the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So whether someone builds on top of the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, grass, or hay, each one's work will be clearly shown. The day will make it clear because it will be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work survives, they'll get a reward. But if anyone's work goes up in flames, they lose it. However, they themselves will be saved as they had gone through a fire. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 15. The word of God for the people of God. So we have been walking through the stories that the Reverend Brian McLaren has offered to us in his book, We Make the Road by Walking. And this week, in his reflection on the text that Jomer just read for us, he states that Jesus promises us three things. First, life is not easy just because you are a follower of Christ. Second, we will never be alone. Third, in the end, all will be well. But all is not well now. And so that raises the question of how does God get us from here to there? How does God put things right? The word in the Bible for putting things right is judgment. Unfortunately, when I use that word, most of us imagine a judge in a courtroom, and we think of judgment as nothing more than condemnation and punishment and sentencing. In contrast, in biblical times, good judges did much more than condemn or punish. They worked to set things right, to restore balance, harmony, well-being, Their justice was restorative, not simply punitive. The ultimate goal of judgment was to curtail or to eradicate the evil so that goodness would reign. It's obvious that restorative justice doesn't always happen in this life. When we're dealing with a judgment related to the death of an innocent person, how can we ever make that right? 
No amount of money can ever fully restore the loss of life taken through violence. Because humans are limited in our ability to restore what is broken in this world, we as people of faith trust that God will continue to set things right in the next life when we enter God's glory entirely. We use this phrase, the final judgment, not just to talk about that moment when people will be condemned for eternity, but to speak more of the final restoration, to remember that God's universe arcs toward repentance, arcs toward reconciliation, arcs toward putting the wrong right. This means that we can face God knowing that grace abounds and one day everything will be restored. It means that disease will be eradicated, not just diagnosed and treated with some things that sometimes make you sicker. It means that everything will ultimately one day be made whole and well. In another scripture in Hebrews 9, 27, we hear Paul use these words to say, people are destined to die and then face judgment. But he speaks of this not to say that people are destined to die and then face condemnation. He says instead to face judgment, meaning reconciliation, restoration, the setting of all things right. This past week, two of the senior saints of our congregation died. Both of those ladies have now experienced what Paul meant in Hebrews when he said that they have faced their final judgment. They have been fully restored. They have entered into God's presence in the fullness of God's presence. And in that moment, neither one of them carries their illness with them anymore. They experience the joy of being fully purified and holy in God's presence. Now, we do not presume to know exactly what happens in the moments after death, but the biblical writers have tried to use images familiar to the communities who would hear their words so that we could get a glimpse of what Jesus is talking about when he promises to us the gift of eternal life. The scripture that Jomer read for us used a few images of construction and destruction and the image of fire. The writer of this letter to the church at Corinth and also to the church here in Arlington and the church gathered wherever you may be in the world as you watch this online, hear these words. We are God's co-workers and you are God's field, God's building. Now, we've talked a lot about buildings in the last few years here at Central, but we're not talking about the building we have under construction with concrete and steel. We're not even talking about under construction in a physical body sense. It is speaking of our individual selves, what we are inside of our bodies. 
Some call this an ego, some call this heart, some call this soul, but who we are, our personality, our habits, our quirks, all that makes us the core of ourselves. That is what God is building, and we are co-workers with God. Paul is reminding us that we cooperate with God. We don't do all of the building of ourselves alone. God is with us. But we also have some responsibility because God could do it all, and instead, God invites us to be part of the process. St. Paul challenges us to think about how we build upon the foundation of the life that is given to us. He wrote, each person needs to pay attention to the way they build upon the foundation. No one can lay another foundation besides the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So whether someone builds on top of that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, grass, or hay... Each one's work is clearly shown. The day will make it clear whether it will be revealed with fire, that fire that will test the quality of each one's work. So we are all building our lives upon the foundation of Christ. And Paul is saying that fire will test the quality of one's work. If we remember the great fire that uh, consumed so much of the cathedral in Paris of Notre Dame, you may remember the image of the golden cross that was untouched. That was because the wood that was in the cathedral burnt, but not the gold. Paul is using the same image here. If we build our lives with things that matter, things that are valuable, things like gold and silver, not physically, but the qualities of life, the relationships and the behaviors and the habits that are like those precious stones, that is what withstands fire. This cleansing of fire, God will destroy the wood and the hay those things that need to be burned from us, the sin, the hypocrisy. Some people have chosen to build lives like a shoddy builder, using worthless material. But others, they have chosen the better way, the way of love. For those who have built using shoddy materials, when they experience the purification of judgment, they will experience loss regret, remorse. People who decided not to work with God, but who decided to do it all on their own, to gain power and glory for themselves, to build up their treasures in this world, they will not have much to withstand that purifying fire. But for those who build their treasure up in heaven, who show up with humility, with joy, with peace, with patience, the other fruit of the Spirit, those people will have their deeds of kindness remembered by God. Even the deeds that the person has long forgotten, they will be there in God's presence and God will welcome them with joy. This is the restorative judgment that changes the way you live before you die. It makes you eager to build up your treasure in heaven, to invest your time, your energy, your talents, even your treasure in building God's kingdom 
not to hoard your wealth for your own selfish desires. This understanding of restorative judgment inspires you to build power to use it to help others, not simply to accumulate power and prestige for your own glory. It also liberates you to give extravagantly so that you will finish this life having given more than you have received. This hope also changes the way that we see the trials and difficulties of life in this world. If we see trials and difficulties not as punishment for wrongdoing, but as a refining fire to strengthen us in this life, to see how the challenges and the trials that we face can help us now changes how we welcome those challenges. I remember last year when my dad spent time in hospice care, and he had pain and challenges to face every day. And I also remember him giving me the advice to find something to laugh about every day. He used that challenge of pain as a refining fire to remember that there is joy to be embraced no matter your circumstances. That was my dad's labor. That was his work to do in that season of life as he prepared to claim life eternal. But we all have work to do, and we do this work with God. We are co-workers with Christ because each one of us knows that there is a day when we will face that final judgment and we will see what we have built in our lives and we will see is that building built with shoddy material or is it built with care and love and the things that matter there's another scripture that paul wrote to the church in corinth it comes a few chapters after the one that jomer read for us and in this he quotes back to the old testament where it says that death has been swallowed up in victory. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting? We know that when someone we love dies, there is a sting. But we also know that there is victory because when we stand before the Lord and we experience that refining fire, there is nothing left but joy and grace and restoration. Those words from Paul are in the liturgy of our United Methodist service of death and resurrection, what we call our funeral service. It reminds us that if we believe in judgment, in God's setting things right, that we will not be afraid in this life. We instead will live with purpose. We will be able to stand firm, to use Paul's words to say that we are unshakable, excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor isn't going to be for nothing when your labor is for the Lord. We can keep standing steadfast no matter the trials or the tribulations we face, knowing that one day everything will be set right. If we believe in a universe that moves towards purification, towards justice, towards peace, we will keep seeking the things that are pure, the things that are just, and the things that are peaceable. We will seek those in this life. If we believe that God is pure light and goodness and grace, we will move toward this light each and every day. We will make time to be holy.
And then someday, when our life in this world comes to an end, we can put our trust in our Savior, Jesus Christ, the foundation upon which we have built our lives. And until then, we live with steadfast courage, encouraging one another that all will be made well, that all will be restored. Life is not easy, but we are not alone. And in the end, all will be well. This we know, and this is all we need to know. Thanks be to God. Amen.